I mean, I think this goes back to the idea of what is your show's reason for existing in the world? Like, what what hole does it fill that doesn't already exist? So rather than just throwing something up because you have an idea, thinking about where it fits into the context of this entire podcasting landscape. That's the voice of Emily Siner. She's the news director of Nashville Public Radio, WPLN. Over six years ago, Emily launched Nashville Public Radio's first podcast, Movers and Thinkers. And now they have an award-winning fleet of shows. She joins us to talk about content design, including identifying the true purpose for your podcast and the importance of knowing your show's goals and target audience. Additionally, she shares her tips for deciding the right length and release schedule for your episodes. Welcome to Brandcasting with Relationary Marketing, the show all about how to build a professional branded podcast that delivers on your business's goals. I'm your host, Clark Buckner, partner and co-founder here at Relationary. We're a turnkey podcast production agency for B2B content marketing. We help brands and agencies create engaging content to establish thought leadership, nurture key relationships, and promote events. For a recap and transcript of this episode and to download our free five-step guide to building a branded podcast, head on over to relationarymarketing.com slash podcast. Now, let's jump in. I'm the news director of Nashville Public Radio, WPLN, and I am the host of a podcast called Movers and Thinkers, and I'm also one of the editors on the many different podcasts that we have at the station. You have a whole podcast fleet. We do. Yes, we're very excited about that. Well, Emily, thank you so much for joining us here in our studio. We are just huge fans of you. I've said this before when you've spoken at the National Podcasters Meetup, and I mean every bit of it. You are truly, I believe, a hometown hero when it comes to audio, when it comes to podcasts. And we're just super thrilled to have you on our show. Thanks, Clark. Thanks. That always makes me feel good when you say that. It's a real thing. <laughs> and you've, I mean, you just, you really are. You you did a Nashville TEDx talk in the past, kind of right when podcasting was starting to get noticed in a new way. You've been really innovative on how you've incorporated audio podcasting with WPLN, with this NPR affiliate to ultimately drive your goals forward. And those include things like creating better relationship with your listeners, trying to build that buy-in. So at Relationary, we're always talking about how content design of a show, of any podcast, there needs to be goals. And so we want to really unpack those items with you. We want to talk a little about designing shows and how all of the thought process goes into being intentional. So what better guess than you to talk about content design because you have several shows on this fleet. What's the fleet up to today? We're at like six or seven. We have uh, seven shows, but one is on hiatus. So I guess six active shows. Wow. Wow. So we're talking about content design. And so when you approach a show, when you're creating a show from scratch, just first thing comes to your mind why is it important to establish a target audience before you actually create the podcast? I think it gives a structure to your show. Like having that kind of target listener in mind helps you figure out 
Like, how deep are you going to go into explaining things? How obvious is it? Most of our shows are targeted to a more general audience because we're kind of getting the typical radio listener who is interested in a lot of things but wants to learn more about something. And so that means that we are going to assume that the listener doesn't really know when we start talking about something really specific and we're going to give more detailed explanation. And that's something that you wouldn't do if you're creating like a video game podcast and your audience is video game listeners. Like you don't have to explain what Madden is, but we would in our shows. So that's important. And also thinking about how you market it. So where are those audience members seeing content and finding content? Are they a very Reddit-based kind of audience versus one that's like using Facebook? I don't know. I think it's super important. And you probably, I would love to hear your insights too, Yeah, huh. So I think it's certainly helpful. And I've heard this strategy from radio people, just creating that, I guess, persona or that, you know, giving this person a name, who is she, you know, or how old is he, or, you know, give them a name, maybe even find a picture that looks like them in your mind and think about, yeah, just like you're saying, some things that might be more obvious, you don't need to explain that, but you're always speaking to that person. I think that's part of the power of audio podcasts, different than video, different than blogging. It's so much more of an intimate experience. So I would hope our listener right now, and I'm not saying listeners, like, you know, typically someone's listening to a podcast, they're alone, maybe they're commuting, maybe they're doing chores. They're just sitting in the room with us. You know, it's me, you, and our guest. So that guest, I kind of I have an, an idea of who they are. So that's kind of one of the ways I think we're thinking about it. So. Yeah. Can I ask, do you have the target audience member for this show? I'm putting on the spot here. So <laughs> it's it's less about the creative of just like, let's do a podcast as a hobby. It's more of how do we use podcasting in content marketing? So these are folks we're trying to reach these are the people who are in marketing maybe they're at an agency and they have clients now who are asking them hey we want to get into podcasting but you know they don't have maybe the in-house team or the the right gear or the right expertise to do this and this is a resource for them um, and also people who are trying to take a forward step into the different vehicles and they've heard about podcasting but they're we're trying to help them think about how do you use this to drive your goals forward. And I think that's one of one of the things that we think about too. Like along with audience, you have what are the goals for the show? And is it to reach new audiences of people who for us are not the typical public radio listener? A lot of what we talk about with podcasts is reaching younger audiences who aren't already listening to us. But there are also some shows like I'd say Curious Nashville maybe fits a little bit of both, but with Curious Nashville, it's like we are targeting current listeners to ask us questions and give this kind of feedback loop. So we're deepening the experience for current listeners. Hopefully we're also reaching new listeners too. But I think you approach a show differently when you're thinking about, am I reaching new people who aren't already aware of this brand versus are we making a, a more personal right. connection with people that we already know? That's a really good point. So some of the clients that we work with, okay, it's all about your goals. We're talking about goals in just a moment. That's like the most important part of content design. But some of our clients, yeah, they're creating podcast because this gives their you know, their audience, their their friends with the brand, their fans, whatever you want to call them, a way to deepen that connection. So super fans, like so Jack Daniels is one of our clients. We love working with them and through an agency, DVL Sickenthaler, but they have something called Tennessee Squires. And they just love Jack Daniels and become a Squires. It's 
there's some steps involved and not everyone's a squire. So they're really proud of that. And so that's some of the kinds of folks that we create that podcast for. And the engagement is really great. They listen to it for a majority of the episode, which is also good. So every goal though is different. Some podcasts have a totally different goal. Maybe that's just to try to advance someone in the sales funnel or the content marketing funnel that's created. So I think this is a great segue to talk about goals and success. What does success really mean? So I would be curious to hear, what are your goals for doing podcasts? I think our overall goal is to become more of a presence in our community and deepen the connection with people. So we already have this platform to share content over the radio, but it's not necessarily super personal. And our podcasts are more personal either because we are talking into someone's earbud, like you said, or because it's a live event and we're getting to interact with people in real life. It just gives more outlets for that. And so I think overall, that's our goal. Within that, a big part of it is increasing our membership at the public radio station. So hopefully if people like what we're doing, they'll become members. And then it doesn't even matter if they're listening to the radio or to our podcasts. They just feel connected to the station. A secondary goal, but one that I find super important as one of the podcast producers and, and a journalist at the station, is having this outlet to do more creative, long-form storytelling. Because you're really constrained in radio by the clock. And we like very rarely put anything on the radio that's more than six minutes. So to have this outlet to do a 25-minute narrative story is huge and like has definitely helped us just become more creative storytellers in general. I love that. And it's so interesting because going into this, my thought was, oh, this is just another revenue stream. Great content, sell ad. Because we look at, I love how everyone has different names for this stuff, but we call it the B2C approach or the B2B approach. The typical B2C approach, the business to consumer approach is typically going to be build a show, make it huge, sell a bunch of ads. But the B2B approach is a bit different. It's usually connected to a business goal and the success metric is less about quantity of downloads and it's more about the quality or what is that what are those people doing so it's so interesting to hear sure you're able to sell ads on this and that makes sense for you know your model and your nonprofit and all that but creating that emotional connection that deeper relationship and broadening your reach i love hearing that yeah and i think being a nonprofit the in the public radio model the existing public radio model probably contributes to that, where there are many different legs to getting revenue and direct advertising or what we call underwriting in public radio is one of them. But a huge part is also donations and donations come from a sense of community and presence and all these kind of like touchy feely things that I think in commercial media are sometimes not seen as super important. But I'm really glad that they are in our space. That's a great point. So that, yeah, so we're going to kind of popcorn around because there's just a lot to cover. So what are your opinions on length of shows? Yeah. So I have two thoughts and they're kind of conflicting. One is that I feel like the perfect episode length is like 25 minutes. It should never go beyond an hour. If it's an hour and I see like someone recommends a podcast and I look at it and the episodes are an hour and 15 minutes, I will like audibly scoff. I'll be like, I'm not going to listen to that. But then on the other hand, I have friends who like clearly listen to that if they recommend it to me or people who, you know, will listen to the extended interview with Krista Tippett that's like an hour and a half long. And I 
have listened to episodes that are that long when it's something that I really care about. So like I've listened to the like long form, uh, long form podcast interview with Terry Gross about interviewing, which was like an hour and 15 minutes. And not only that, I listened to it twice because I loved it so much. So it's like maybe I just don't personally care about as many things as most people and more people are willing to listen to that. I don't know. But hey, we agree. Yeah, we agree. Average commute time around 25 minutes yeah. one way. So how about frequency? How do you normally approach frequency? Yeah. So we have a few different approaches. And it's kind of like the more frequently you do it, the shorter the run is. So what that means is like we might have a season, for example, with The Promise, where we had season one and it took about a year to prep. And then we had all seven episodes coming out week after week. And that was a season. And then it was done. And it'll be done for the next two years because we're going to have something coming out next year. So like very high frequency high intensity of like uh, narrative structure and she was embedded all year yeah where she did the story yeah so obviously not something that's sustainable more than a couple months out of the year it's kind of a bet yeah because that's a lot of time investment resource investment yeah well and then the thought is like we put all this investment into it so we want it to be something that's coming out every week that we can actively market during that entire time i'm pretty sure when that came out all of our podcasts we're directing people to the promise so it sort of gives us this intense time to say like this is this is the promises two months that helped us gain a lot of traction nationally too so i think that worked well for that with versify it comes out every two weeks and also has seasons so there is an end date but it might come out like there might be 14 episodes every two weeks and then the rest of the year is for episode prep for something like Movers and Thinkers in Curious Nashville, we don't necessarily have seasons, but they don't come out as frequently. I think it's really hard to do a consistent, like, week-after-week show forever with no kind of end-date season in mind. Right. We certainly love having the season mindset because you give yourself permission to stop and you give a heads-up to your audience. And and also with, you know, Curious Nashville, it makes sense— there's going to be some infrequency, but the audience knows that. They expect mm-hmm. that. If it's oh, if you only had one show, you want to stay as consistent as possible. But since you have this family, it works. But yeah. there's a reason behind why you're doing it. And it also gives the audience, like the season model, gives the audience a chance to catch up. Because if it really is coming out every week, like a radio show like This American Life, it's very easy, at least for me, to be like, well, I missed that week. I'll just, whatever, I'll listen to the next one. But when people are recommending a show and you see like there's episodes one through eight and I'm going to start with episode one. I'm going to get through eight before the next season comes out. Excellent. So we talked earlier about some shows are more narrative. You have the interview format. Any suggestions on how you're approaching details like that? And also included in this is the structure of the episode. So we use something we like to call a gold moment. So for instance, on this podcast episode, we started off with a gold moment from you, intro narration from me, boom, go to the full edited interview. So when you think about elements that make up the podcast episode, things that are really making it what it is, any thoughts you have around that? Yeah. Also, this is fun since it's sort of meta. Like, I don't know yet what the gold moment I know, be, me either. But, but the but listeners do. It's going to be great. <laughs> and it was great. Yeah. Yeah, we do the same thing. We don't call it a gold moment. We call it a billboard. I love how everyone calls yeah. it something different. I've heard people call it a hero moment. Huh. Yeah. Billboard, that's cool. I like the gold moment. I feel Thank like you. that's a good way to do it too. And we will often, even if it's not a moment from the show, like it might be a preview moment or it might be a standalone 
kind of small story or uh, related thing or for movers and thinkers, I'll pick out a question that kind of stands alone and that will be its own little segment at the beginning that's maybe one to two minutes long. Okay. And then we have our show open, Okay. Uh, which is, you know, from National Public Radio, this is movers of and course. thinkers. Of course. That's so classic. Yeah. And I think the thing with that that's nice is that you kind of get two chances to open. You have the very open and then you have your open after the show open, which is cool. like another way to hook the listener. I think the only other thing that we think about with like where to put breaks is that we always have a space for a mid-roll, even if we haven't sold a mid-roll. Okay. So we have a natural middle ending point, and then we have like the end ending point. So when you go into recording an episode, you know that's going to be there. Right. What well, As we're like writing the script or as I'm kind of like working through my interview, I'll mark like here's a good kind of mid ending point. That's lovely because we've had some people who've asked to, hey, like, what are our options if we have a sponsor? And we tell people mid-rolls are challenging because unless you go into it like you do intentionally, otherwise it's going to be disruptive to just drop in a mid-roll. Yeah, we actually had to add mid-rolls to several of our podcasts once we started kind of actively looking for sponsors. And I remember I had to go through all my previous episodes of Movers and Thinkers and figure out where the mid-roll was going to be and like re-record a little, you know, middle ending thing. And I tried to do it in the voicing that I had at the time, which probably wasn't as good. (laughs) Well, I bet no one else noticed, but I I see what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to retrofit it. Yeah. Wow. There is something so special and intimate with that live show you do that, yeah, once you're in that moment, it's really challenging to replicate. Yeah, and I guess that kind of goes to a a different thing about how we structure our episodes, which is that the structure of the live show is not necessarily how it's going to end up in the episode. And so we can move things around. And I don't necessarily think about that as much when I'm doing the live show because that's like a different space and there isn't a natural middle breaking point. But then as I'm listening through, I can kind of pinpoint it. I love it. Well, we've got a few minutes left with you. I know you've got to get back to the station and and keep the good work going. But I want to ask you about... In this content design process, one of the steps is to name the show. That's important. Let's talk about your experience with naming shows. Yeah, it's really hard to come up with an idea that you feel like encapsulates everything and also you want to like listen to yourself say every episode. It took me a while actually to get on board, even though I, I came up with Movers and Thinkers and it was approved and I still like didn't really love it for a while. People kept saying Movers and Shakers. And then I kind of realized that's fine. That's like something I can use. So anyway, it takes a while to, I think, come up with a name. And we don't have like a great process for the necessarily the inception side of it. But we do have a process for what to do after you come up with a name, which is primarily to make sure that it doesn't already exist, which sounds very obvious, but you can sometimes forget to do that. Or uh, someone else might come up with a name shortly afterward that actually happened with Versify. There was a like a poetry project that a publisher was working on, not podcast related. And they were using the name Versify and the station had to like figure out with the publisher how we were going to divide up that trademark. Our classical show, Keeping Score, is still in existence, but no longer is called Keeping Score. It's now called Classically Speaking because after we came up with that name and started producing episodes, we realized there was another show that had already trademarked the name. And so if we wanted to like market it in any kind of national way it was going to run into issues yeah so we had to change it so it's something that now we are more cognizant of doing on the front end to be like just in case this goes big and i would say for anyone you know anyone producing a podcast just in case your podcast is like 
a huge success. Make sure it's something that can be sustainable that you won't have to change the name of in the middle. Yeah. Well, one of the final things that I think any podcast needs to be able to do, whether it's the B2C approach, the B2B approach, it's give value. So as we're starting to wrap up, any thoughts you have around any kind of podcast, just giving value to the listener? Yeah. I mean, I think this goes back to the idea of what is your show's reason for existing in the world? Like what what hole does it fill that doesn't already exist? And I think, for example, with Movers and Thinkers, I wanted to do an interview show, but there are also so many interview shows out there. So I wanted to think of a way to make that a little bit different. And part of that is just I try to have my own particular interview style, but it's also having this live component, having sometimes a mix of three different guests. If you're doing a show about a topic that you're passionate about or working in, I think it's probably a good idea to maybe survey some people in the field and see what they want to hear, like what doesn't exist yet already. If there's a show out there that you really think you can do better, like defining what you can do better about it to yourself is important. So rather than just throwing something up because you have an idea, thinking about where it fits into the context of this entire podcasting landscape. I love it. What a great way to wrap up this whole dialogue around content design. I love it. So Emily, I want to ask you, what is your why? You started off at All Tech Considered in DC. Now you're the news director here in Nashville at WPLN. Why do you do this? And especially why do you do this with audio? I think audio is such a creative medium. I originally was a kind of a journalist in training in print and then early on in my career started working at NPR and started working with audio. And it's this really interesting transition that we see a lot of print journalists make where like when you have to start using audio and everything has to be listened to linearly, like, you know, in text, you can kind of read around. You can't do that in listening. You have to listen linearly. It constrains you a lot. And so at first it feels like you can't even like tell a story. And then you suddenly realize there's so much more you can do with it, like putting people into a scene and into a moment and hearing another human's voice. It's so cool and such a cool way to show emotion and human connection. So that to me is why I do radio. I love that part of it. I love sharing stories and on the news side, I love feeling like we're providing this really important service to democracy by sharing information. And I think that storytelling in general does that by creating empathy between people, which is a super important thing, especially now. This has been so much fun. So I want to close this out by basically what's the way someone can connect with you, Emily, and your team at WPLN? Maybe that is they're interested in sponsoring a podcast, or maybe they also believe in this important mission. They want to become members. What's a good way to learn more? Yeah. To sponsor a podcast, you should contact our sponsorship team, which is at sponsornashvillepublicradio.org. We have many opportunities for businesses or people who are interested in doing that. If you want to become a member, you go to wpln.org slash give. There's actually a little checkbox on the donation form now to show that you listen to podcasts so that we know that our podcasts are, are pushing oh, people to become members, which is an important way to measure that. That's so cool. And the power of podcasts, especially if you're interested in maybe growing your podcast, sponsoring other podcasts, it makes sense because if you're trying to get in front of people who are already adopted the medium, who believe in the power of audio, who have it in their routines, your money can go a little further. I space. agree. You yeah. should definitely sponsor our podcasts. 
All right, Emily, thank you. And what's a good way for someone to connect with you, follow you on Twitter? Yeah, all that. follow me on Twitter at Signer Says. Signer is S-I-N-E-R, like diner, but with an S. Signer Says. Signer Says. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Clark. This is so much fun. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Brandcasting with Relationary Marketing. We're a turnkey podcast production agency for content marketing, and we'd love to hear from you. For a recap and transcript of this episode, and to download our free five-step guide to building a branded podcast, visit relationarymarketing.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy this content, please follow, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time. Brandcasting is a production of Relationary Marketing. This episode was produced by Darcy Mack and executive producers Clark Buckner, me, and Chuck Bryant with editing support from Dylan Caro and music by Jess Gromit. Additional production support is provided by Anthony Luciani, AJ Myers, Riley Wallace, and Jasmine Merriweather.